Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hello! What's up? Hey, audience. Hey, audience. Hey, audience, guess what? I have a new microphone, so hopefully I sound a little better this week. Oh, you always sound wonderful. No. But you will be much clearer this week. Yes. As it turns <laughs> out, there's kind of a difference between microphones, and sometimes it's better, if you're just recording by yourself, to use one that's better for recording by yourself. <laughs> Who would have thought that I we know. could do this? <laughs> what a novel concept. I mean, we're still learning and, and growing, just like the Animorphs. Every time we record, we just, like, fail until we kind of get it right, and then we just build on that. Yeah. I think the stakes are a little lower for us, though. Well, yeah. Like, we're not going to forfeit the entire Earth if we record wrong. Or die. We might die. I mean, we, we will die, die, eventually. <laughs> Every moment I'm hurtling towards death. <laughs> <laughs> the oxygen that we need to live is slowly killing us. That's right. And if we don't adapt to living in high heat climates, then we're all going to die of heat-related shit, like, in the next 80 years or so. <laughs> I feel like the tone that we're taking in the intro of this podcast, <laughs> like, properly echoes the tone of this book, which is very, very depressing. I, I think that's really, that's accurate. Anyway, we're all gonna die. Hooray! Yeah, we're all gonna die. And you know what? It can be funny, or it all sucks, and everything's terrible. That's true. So we're gonna have fun while we're here. Yay! Uh, Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing's going to be all right. Perfect. Uh, so good. So how are you? I'm a-okay. It's really hot here. Yeah, it's hot everywhere. Fucking, yeah, global warming, as we were talking about earlier. <laughs> That's a thing. Right. That is a thing. That's a real big thing. You know what's real depressing? Everything we just said. Yeah, but also the fact that it's so hot that we need to run air conditioners all the time, but running air conditioners is just exacerbating the problem. Yeah. That's Marco said that. Yeah. For real. In this book. Fuck. <laughs> our 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 pre podcast banter is, is more relevant than usual. Yeah, it really is. Oh no. Although there was um something that some sort of study I read recently. It was long enough ago that I cannot quote you on what source it was but um they were talking about how that giant ozone hole like the hole in the mm -hmm. ozone layer that was a real big deal in the 90s is actually like closing up oh yeah so like that's good they said it was because of like the more strict um laws and things around emissions and so on and so forth so uh. 
I mean, it's still getting really hot. Greenhouse gas effect is a real problem. We're all going to die. But you know what? That hole, that's clearing up. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. We have to talk about something happier. For God's (laughs) sake. I'm so depressed. Oh, God. Well, what else do we have to talk about? We could talk about, like, you know, parrots and how they're being kidnapped and sold illegally. Oh, no. (laughs) I bought a guitar this week. Oh, that's awesome! Yay! <laughs> I am my the first song I'm learning to play is "Thunderstruck" by ACDC. It's really hard. Why did I do this to myself? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so like the first like sixteen measures are just zero four zero seven over and over and over for mm-hmm. a while. So like once you get the pattern down, it's fine. But then it goes into like the and I'm like, holy shit, no. Yeah. You had some advanced level shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. I should have started off with like... Over the rainbow. That's easy. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. If I had bought a ukulele, that would have been priority number one. That is that is the first one that I learned with, with my ukulele. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, obviously, you got to play somewhere over the rainbow. It's the best one. And then I... Riptide, second priority. Yeah. I like to think that Over the Rainbow is the equivalent to ukulele as um, Wonderwall is to the guitar. You just have to. You, you have, have to, to learn, learn it. it. Yep. Oh, I should learn Wonderwall. <laughs> Note to self, learn <laughs> Wonderwall. obnoxiously in public. Oh my god. You're that guy. The guy yep. at the party that just takes out his guitar when everybody wants to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, great. That's awesome. I mean, to to date, the only thing that I've ever learned that has ever served me well on violin was the X-Files theme song. So you just got to find that niche and, like, hit it real hard. There you go. Yeah, that's my advice for you on learning music. As a completely unaccomplished musician, don't listen to me. Well, this just took another depressing turn. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Okay. Do we just want to get into this book since, like, our somber mood is ruining it? And at least if we're talking about Animorphs, we can blame it on Marco. Oh, man. Okay. Let me just say that coming off of the last few books, which, you know, had some dark moments, but overall were, like, pretty, you know, fun and fancy free. And then Mm. there's this piece of shit. And I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot what series we were reading. God damn it. (laughs) I forgot the series. It was just so happy for a minute. Yeah. Like, Cassie's book was just ridiculous. And, you know, yurks and horses. And they all ran in. And there was an Andalite toilet. Like, that was fun. (laughs) This was... Ugh. Yeah. And even... I mean, Tobias's book wasn't, like... It wasn't the the Andalite toilet book. But it was, like... It was still fun. And Tobias got his morphing powers back. And Uh there was fun interactions. Yeah. This one was just, like... And, like, I I want to... I made a note to, like... To bring it up that normally we talk about how we get that yo-yo effect with Marco. Where it's, like, it's really funny. But then really depressing. But really funny. But this one was just, like, fucking depressing from start to finish. He was just sad and angry the whole time. He was... He very much was. And, like, a lot of interactions where it's, like, I think your mental health is not good. And, like, yeah. we need we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. That point comes up in my notes so often. 
And I'm just like, Marco is losing his mind. He is visibly mm-hmm. cracking. Everyone's getting concerned. And, like, it's not fair to, like, put that on him to make him be, you know, you're the joker of the group. You always have to be the joker of the group. Like, that's not necessarily fair. But, yeah. But it's definitely an aspect that when it's not there anymore, you're kind of like, we are doomed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually, I that exact example you're talking about, I wrote down to ask you, like, what you thought of that. Because it was so, like, it's not fair of him to ask at all but it is like so necessary Mm -hmm. yeah they rely on that yeah absolutely like oh man you know and they rely on rachel's bravery um Mm -hmm. and you know kind of sometimes her recklessness because when rachel starts acting not like herself then they also start to worry yep absolutely yikes yeah and, like, Jake's just never even given himself the opportunity to act any differently than the leader. Like, he he has his moments of, like, fine, you take over. But literally, well, uh, maybe that is a good example because Marco was the one that said, like, when he was, like, fine, you take over, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And Marco was just, like, no, we don't need this right now, dude. You have to be the leader. And Jake was, like, mm, okay, I have to be the leader. <laughs> like, yeah. He just stepped back into it. So, I don't know. And we haven't really seen... Cassie crack in that manner yet not to say that she like you know she Mm -hmm. won't but like we just haven't seen that and Axe is still so secretive that we don't Mm -hmm. we just don't know yeah it's um it's really interesting because um I'm also I'm rewatching uh Voltron Legendary Defender right now Mm -hmm. and I keep drawing comparisons between all of the paladins of Voltron and the Animorphs kids and (gasps) (laughs) Tell me, tell me all of them. Oh God, like, like Shiro, who's the the black paladin most of the time in Voltron. Like, he's so similar to Jake. They're just both like very, very, very strong leaders, and you know they they kind of suppress their you know more panicked emotions because they have to appear strong and they have to hold everyone together. And I'm just like, uh the good boys. Oh man, and he's he's the one. Sorry, I haven't watched it in a while. He's the one that um got taken by the aliens and has like the yeah. the arm thing. Okay, yeah, the arm and the scar and the post traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder. You know, whatever. Right, right. Oh poor dude. Yeah. Oh man, too much pressure. But anyway, yeah. So, I yeah. I'm really into like teamwork shit right now and the different elements of helpfulness that everybody brings to the table so i i really had a good time with this book despite how freaking depressing it was yeah but there was moments where it was very funny yeah but like much more sparsely interwoven than usual mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man well i'll I'll start getting into it and, like, summarizing, because I think we are going to go off the rails a lot. Sure. Because there's just a lot to to talk about based on their interactions, especially between Jake and Marco in this Mm -hmm. book, which was super interesting. That was good stuff. Oh, so good. All right. So, we open to a ridiculous mission in the mall. As always, we're in the mall. (laughs) It's the 90s. (laughs) That's where you go. Uh, That's where you go, is the mall. 
Um, and Marco gave a very formal opening about the Yerks. And he even, like, I think what did it for me was he, oh my god, pigeons. Uh, what did it for me was that he called Elfangor the dying Andalite prince. And I don't think the Animorphs really, like, they obviously, you know, the Prince Jake thing, it's like, haha, we know about that. But, like, it just seemed like very formal wording for Marco. Mm-hmm. So that was weird. And then he, like, starts giving us the introduction of the other Animorphs, but mostly it's, like, a two-paragraph dissertation on Rachel and how she's very brave, but deep down she's completely insecure and fallible and worries about herself, but she'll never let you see that side of her because she needs to stay strong and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he talked about her inability to fit in. And I kind of was like, what does that mean, like, as a regular kid? Like, or or does she mean as an Andalite Bandalite? Like, what what exactly does that mean that she doesn't fit in? She's, like, pretty and popular, so you'd think she yeah. would fit in, right? Right, and, like, all the boys like her, and everybody is, like, she's great, and she's smart <laughs> in school. Like, she's... There's a fucking Britney Spears song about this, I'm pretty sure. Is there really? <laughs> yeah, Lucky? She's oh. so lucky. She's a star. Why, why did the tears come at night? That kind of thing. Anyway. Oh, all I could think about was that video that's been circulating the internet where she's doing her show, and right before she says it's Britney, bitch, when it, the song goes quiet, everybody in the, the audience has started yelling, who is it? And then she goes, it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Anyways, yeah, it was weird. Um, and it was, like, I couldn't tell. Like, it didn't have quite the tone of, like, Marco's joking. This is funny. It was more like it started out like, ha 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 ha. And then the longer he kept going, it was like, oh no, he's serious. Like, this is his description. Oh mm. no. <laughs> um, and then he's like, yeah, and then there's Jake. He's a leader and Cassie and Tobias. He's a bird and axe. <laughs> Tobias, he's a bird at the end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That is the that entire aspect of his went. personality. <laughs> he is a bird. That's all you need to know about him. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. Yeah, like, it was a a very Rachel-centric description. (laughs) (laughs) And even Marco wasn't his normal, like, I'm my super cute self, and I'm wonderful. He was like, yeah, Marco, let's talk about Rachel now. (laughs) Which which book was he talking about his haircut? Was that book 10? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Remember the good old times? We just talked about how stupid his hair was. (laughs) (laughs) It was a two-chapter open about his stupid haircut. Yeah. Uh, Then there's this. Then there's this. And, like, after he talks about Rachel, we, like, cut to this parrot mission where, like, everything mentioned in this book was barely avoiding brand naming. Oh, right. Yeah. Barely. We're in the Amazon cafe. There's ocean world yeah um speaking of amazon cafe did you ever go to a rainforest cafe yes okay i didn't remember if they were like a national brand or i think so okay i think i've been to more than one and i've been to one in canada and one in the u.s oh so they're an international brand yeah yeah but i've never seen live parrots because i can't imagine not at, an, at a rainforest cafe. How, mm. Like, 
I mean, my the ones I've gone to have always been in malls, but I can't imagine you can get like birds on a kitchen property and be okay with it. Um, the one I've been to is at the the big mall, not naming mall names, but um, <laughs> I know when you walk by it, there's kind of like this um, area where there's like some fake water in the bottom mm-hmm. and some plants around it. And then the parrots are hanging from perches over that. So they're not anywhere like near the kitchen or the tables or anywhere where there's actual oh. food. They're just kind of like on display near the front. Um, Interesting. But yeah, yeah, I definitely remember there actually being live parrots there. Wow. Oh. Man. Poor babies. Poor babies. They didn't have the animals to protect them. Mm-mm. Which is what happened here. <laughs> Where they, they had apparently trained these parrots in not the Rainforest Cafe, the Amazon Cafe, to um, basically just like say great things about the restaurant, about like the food is so good. Pot stickers. Buy some pot stickers. <laughs> and so like the kids' mission that Marco came up with was that they were going to, when they cleaned the perches, they were sneaking back there. They're going to morph the parrots. They're going to bring them back out. And they're just going to sit on the perches and say terrible shit. And they say things like, eat the fried booger strips and spaghetti <laughs> with hair. And then, of course, it's the 90s. So one of the things they come up with is something with toe jam. Which, right. like, it's such a 90s thing. <laughs> God. Yeah. I didn't, and, like, I didn't think that they'd be yelling stuff like that. I thought they would be yelling more. I, I, I think if it weren't a kid's book and, and they were actually allowed to swear, I think they would have been saying like, oh, fuck you. And stuff like that. <laughs> fuck all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And especially when the manager came out, which they should have started yelling shit like that once the manager came out. But instead, they're just like, oh, he's wearing a toupee, toupee. <laughs> like, <laughs> Then they say he has a banana nose. Like, what does it even mean? I don't know. I just don't know. Sick burns, you guys. (laughs) It was terrible. Oh, man. Although, to be fair, like, that's a middle school level burn. Um, Did you ever um, play with one of those, like, fake parrots that had a voice box in it and you could record stuff and have it play back to you? Oh, I exclusively said swear words to those in children's okay. toy stores. <laughs> exclusively. Oh, man. That, that was, was, like, that was awesome. That was a treasured memory of the 90s for me. A wall of parrots screaming fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a treasured 90s memory. Nice. <laughs> and it was so much faster than the Furby. Like, those took months to teach swear words. Oh, Yeah. Have you seen the Furby organ? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, my god. favorite invention. God. The, se- the thousand screams of Furbies. <laughs> it's so joyous. It's like the cat piano, but terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. My favorite thing about um, the parrot scene in the book was when Cassie started yelling things like, We should be on our natural habitats. Right. And I was just like, like dude. Yeah, everybody else is like, you know, boogers, like fats, hairs and shit. And then Cassie's like, we need to be flying free. The rainforest is being depleted at an unnatural rate. <laughs> Just like spewing fucking like, uh, facts. It's estimated we're losing one species per day to extinction. Oh, God. Yeah. 
That's yet really it's so depressing. in character for her. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, she's hilarious. And then the other part of this that I absolutely loved was, for whatever reason, they left out Axe and Tobias. And, like, I- I'm really not sure why they left out Axe, because it would be easier to keep an eye on him in Parrot Morph than human in a mall. Right. And then they left out the one dude who's a bird, for whatever reason. And then he's just, like, sitting there, like, quietly clapping and, like, laughing to himself in the (laughs) cafe oh my god oh gosh this is just all around a great scene this would have been good if the book had ended here yeah (laughs) unfortunately it gets so much worse yeah they come out of this and they're all like giddy they're like that was funny we're all hilarious and um jake and marco kind of split up from the group and they're going their own separate way when eric shows up and nobody's pumped about Eric showing up, despite the fact that I don't think he's really ever done anything that wrong. Except murder a hundred fucking controllers in front of them. Yeah, but that's like a good thing. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, but they're kind of like, uh, yeah. him a little bit. Yeah, they are. And he like, he came up and said he had to talk to Marco. And Marco's like, okay, but whatever you need to say can be said in front of Jake because the basis of a good marriage is openness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd side I am too. But um, yeah, so he starts talking about a Yerk mission that's happening right now with this new species of controller called a Lyran. And he starts like giving some details and then he reluctantly tells Marco, like, hey, Visor One's the one that's overseeing this. And um, Marco's like, yeah, Jake knows. Visor One's my mom. And Marco, like, this gets really dark here. Like, this is the first, like, like, we just came off that parrot mission where everything was fun and -hmm. games and happy. And then we go to this meeting where they're talking to Eric and uh, he set up some kind of force field around him. So it just looks like mall cops talking, but they're, they're inside of there having their intense discussion. And what it ends up being was Eric was coming out here to tell Marco that his mom was in control of this mission and say, like, you guys need to check it out. And then to see if Marco could destroy his own mother if push came to shove. Yay! Yeah, and Marco's, like, super pissed. He, like, storms out of the hologram, startling some random lady. And then Jake, like, comes out after him being like, hey, Eric didn't mean anything by it, but, like, hey, would you destroy your mom? And, like, how... How did Jake think this was okay? Jake has this conversation with himself all the time about his uh-huh. brother. Yep. Why was he not more tactful in this scenario? Oh. So anyway, would you kill your mom? Yeah, like no, but for real, Come would on, you though? Yeah. Seriously. Most people like their parents. I don't know. I just don't know. Like I just got really mad at Jake because I'm like, dude, you struggle with this all the time. What the hell? Yeah. You're supposed to be the one person that understands. So just maybe be a little gentler. Yeah. Just be nice for once. <laughs> Jake's never Any. nice. Jake's never cool again. Jake's always a dick. Frickin That's not true. Jake's wonderful. I'm saying all of this as a joke. Right. You just can't tell because my voice is entirely monotone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was just, I was really surprised by Jake's actions mm-hmm. in this scene. Um, which leads us to the next moment, which was, well, I'll just, I'll go through it and then like we can backtrack. But, uh, the next day Marco goes to find Axe to ask him about Lyrans. We do not get an answer to Jake asking Marco if he would destroy his mom. 
Um, so Marco goes, seeks out Axe, and he's like, tell me what you know about Lirans. And Axe is like, where, where did you hear that name? And Marco's like, it doesn't matter, just tell me. So Axe explains that they're like this amphibious species, but the, the big claim to fame about them is they have short-range psychic abilities, which makes them a species that they do not want to have controllers of because that will like suss out any spies if they get too close to one of the animorphs they'll know that they're not fighting andalite warriors and it's just kids and Mm -hmm. you know it there's implications up and down and um marco then goes on a rant about the irony gods and acts ask him like oh is this a real human religion and had this like feeling like last time when Tobias said like when eagles fly out of my butt and X is like could that happen <laughs> like it was this perfect setup here but then Marco just goes dark with it and he's like no it's Marco's religion and everything sucks and is horrible right. and like end chapter <laughs> like oh man yeah and then he throws some shade at Alanis Morissette yes oh man like, some serious shade yeah Damn, Marco. Lighten up, dude. That We then cut to Marco talking to Jake about it, and he basically just says, like, they they have to do this mission, but don't tell anyone about his mom. Which, it just seems like when you have some loose cannons on your team, like Rachel, and you have, like, you know, obviously it becomes clear through this book that Axe would totally kill a Vizzer, given the chance. Mm-hmm. Like... Why would you not tell them that? It's important. <laughs> is it because Marco is his best friend? I think it's just because, like, Marco just doesn't want anybody feeling sorry for him. It's like, right. but it's going to be way worse if they accident will not, uh, on purpose, kill your mom, but they just didn't know it was your mom. You should tell them. Irrational 12-year-old. Yeah, it's not your fault that your mom's Visor 1. It's fine. It's, you didn't do anything. Just really, I feel really a lot of these kids' problems could be solved by basic communication. Yeah, it really could. Like, just talk it out. You're a team. Ugh. God. Did people talk in the 90s? Um, I mean, I felt like, no. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, nowadays I feel like there's there's a big push for, like, self-care and hey it's okay to go to therapy and like you know kind of communication is a good thing and there's like this big kind of push for that but i don't know if that was necessarily the thing back then well yeah i mean the the self-care and like going to therapy has definitely come to the forefront too i was almost thinking about it from a perspective of like think about the tv shows and movies and stuff from the 90s like that's true one right like one of the biggest things that happened there was just miscommunications because nobody's talking it leads to a funny scenario or like a bad scenario like that was what 80 percent of plot in the 90s but i mean to be fair if you just talk everything out then there's no conflict and there's nothing to drive the story I mean, I feel like an alien invasion is driving this story. (laughs) No, I I totally know what you're saying. Like, it wouldn't have led to the big ending scene, which was like a total mindfuck as well. I so the thing I'm having a little bit of problems about these books. Like, obviously, it's a long series, and -hmm. you're dealing with six characters narrating at a time. So this is kind of, in some ways, a slow burn. In, insofar as, like, character development. 
Yeah. And I, I know we've seen some, you know, definite evidence of characters developing and, you know, getting over certain feelings and obstacles, but sometimes I'm just like, fucking talk to your friend, dude. Yeah. Like, and, and there are still, you know, problems that they have in one book where three books later we come back and visit them and they're still not talking and they're still hiding things. And it's so frustrating. Yep. It's like, haven't and you it, learned yet? Sorry. Right yeah. Thing. No, that's, that's totally, I, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, like, the takeaway from some of those missions is we need to be open with each other. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the next book, and they're, like, still hiding shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like so the, the main example I can think of is Axe's book, where, like, the whole yeah. crux of the book was that he was hiding stuff from the humans, and that was a problem. And then by the end of the book, he's like, well, maybe I'll tell you stuff now. So I'm interested to see when we get to Axe's next book if that holds up or if he's still withholding information. Yeah. And the the only like defense on that part is like it seems like Axe is opening up more, but I imagine it would be like a slow like slow curve learning that and getting used to that and getting used to sharing. Mm -hmm. Like it's I mean, I can see it taking time. I mean, yeah, it it's a slow burn. We have like what are we on? Book 15. We have like 40 yeah. more books to get through. Yeah. But yeah, it, um, yeah, it, they just, they really need to sort their shit out. Get your shit together, Carl. They really do. And yeah, it'll, it'll be good to check in with Axe. That's the other thing that sucks is that Axe and Tobias trade off. So it's always like, yeah. you know, it's such a long time between those two. And it's like, I want to just check in more often. Oh, God. <laughs> My two favorite characters have, like, less books than everyone else. I'm so sad. I know. It sucks. Why does this always happen to me? I always like the really minor side characters. Every single thing. Ugh. I don't know. My favorite of all time that happened to you is in the Temeraire series, when you're like, Granby is my favorite. I love Granby. I love like, Granby. I, you're like, Granby's the best. And then it came out in one book that he was gay. And I remember getting the text from you, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that was like a minor detail. I just glazed out. Oh, okay, he's gay. Cool, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you you're like, this is my character crush in this book. <laughs> that was awesome. Darn, I can't be with my fictional character boyfriend because he's gay <laughs> boo-hoo you know what i <laughs> can't talk i love rachel and tobias so much oh man i don't know they're better friends than some real people i've met <laughs> <laughs> sometimes in your life you prefer to read books and watch movies with people in them yeah. that you like more than real people it's okay we all do it <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> because sometimes I just want to talk to the Animorph friends instead of my real friends. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. Yeah. All right. Anyways, yeah. But um, they're doing this mission, whatever. They, they don't talk to each other like they should. Uh, and basically what comes of the whole briefing meeting in the barn is that Tobias needs to get a dolphin morph. 
And then we find out Tobias is like super afraid of the water. And again, Tobias is very open about his fears. He kind of half-assed hit it for like a minute. Right. And then he's just like, I'm afraid. So Tobias is the only good one here. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else sucks and Tobias is good. Oh, man. Oh, that's really mean. But um, yeah, no, that's not true. They're all wonderful. But yeah, Tobias is like, I'm afraid of water. Everything sucks. And they're like, well, Tobias, we're just, you can just like, you know, if you're afraid, blah, blah, blah. And Tobias is like, I didn't say I was afraid. I'll do it. <laughs> so they go to get him a dolphin morph. Um they turn into seagulls to sneak into the gardens because they're just going to hit the gardens on their way out to uh, Roy- Royan. It was Royan Island. Yeah. I wrote it further down. Yeah, Royan Island, which is where um, Eric thinks some shit's going down. So they're going to um, hit the gardens because it's basically on the way. And they turn into seagulls so they can just fly in without having to pay for tickets. Smart. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Smart. It's Finally. I'm going to keep saying finally, even though this, like, they started doing this in, like, book five. I'm going to keep saying finally until forever. Yeah, because it's a big deal. It is a big deal. (laughs) Friendship is a big deal. (laughs) Well, it's like, first Um, they stopped taking the bus, and we were like, good job! And now they stopped taking to go to the garden. It's like, yay! Good job! Yeah. I mean, the gardens is going to take a major loss in profits from this, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's fine how much did you think admission to something like that would be like pretty expensive like, right yeah like 60 dollars oh, it's like, the 90s yeah it's like that's like six flag prices that's exactly where i got that price there from you go. and okay. I, because i was like it's a zoo and an amusement park mm-hmm. right so they have to pay for both sections of it unless it's like two separate ticket prices i wonder if they did that if they broke it down to like yeah if you only go to the zoo it's if you only go to the zoo it's like 30 bucks but then if you buy uh both tickets together then like it's like 10 bucks off each one or something i don't know it's probably like a yeah special. like 30 a piece or like 45 for both yeah yeah huh <sighs> Um, but yeah, so they, they fly into the gardens. They do not pay for these tickets. They are not going to lose all their money. Although then again, it did say in book one that there was like a dollar for, although never mind. Anyways. Um, yeah, they make their way to the roller coaster and Marco just like has this Rachel reckless moment where super Rachel, like he's like, let's have a little fun, Jake. And he like, di- like waits till his roller coaster gets to the top of like the arc as it's about to drop. He goes and lands on the railing. There's two dudes in it. He's like, those dudes could have been me and Jake. And then he like grabs onto the railing somehow. of this roller coaster. Somehow. Yeah. He's like, oh, I held on as hard as I could with my seagull feet. Yeah. It's, no, dude. It's like, no, those don't really wrap that well. Those are like flap, flap yeah. feet. They don't hold. Idiot. Yeah. Idiot. Idiot. Wait. Allegedly, he hung on. Sure. And then the thing drops, and he rides it down a bit. And Jake, like, just basically was like, oh, dude, and, like, came with him. Because he's like, no. (laughs) And once they get to, like, the bottom of the drop, they let go. And Marco was like, yeah, that was cool, right? We're still normal. We still have a good time. And Jake's just kind of, like, half-assed, like, yep, we have a great time, Marco. Super cool, dude. So stupid. so stupid uh, also so stupid if you're if you're going down a hill at like let's say 60 miles an hour 
Like, mm-hmm. you, so basically you've got like a 60 mile an hour headwind as a bird, unless you're like crouched down really low. Like, have you put a seagull in a wind tunnel to see at what point it cannot buck the headwind? <laughs> like, let's get scientific up in this bitch. I mean, we could do that. We have the means. I mean, I don't have a wind tunnel, but like, we could make this happen. Oh, God. Like, I'm just like, how, how did he not like blow off the thing? Again, unless he was crouched down really low, and then the centrifugal force would, it would be fine, probably. I mean, maybe, but the centrifugal force is still back, and there's nothing behind him. He only has the front of his webbed toes holding him on, basically. Right. And then the other thing is, too, when they get to the bottom of the drop, like, they would have to wait until the roller coaster had flattened out, because if it was still coming down and they let go, they're just going back into the coaster and dying. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't see how any of this worked I don't see how it was relevant to the plot And I'm confused (laughs) Yeah it was just like a moment to be like Marco's losing it Like Marco's doing Rachel shit And like that was literally Maybe this was the point Because there's a later point in the book Where he says like Oh we gotta go back down and like scout this shit out And Rachel's like yeah we do And he's like fuck Rachel's agreeing with me again That means it's wrong (laughs) He, it's almost like if he can just echo a Rachel moment, like, that's him, like, cracking, like, oh, he's turning Rachel, let's pull him back. Maybe, okay, and maybe the whole description at the beginning about Rachel was really about him. Yeah, like, honestly, throughout this entire book, I felt like I was reading a Rachel book, just because he was so angry and so reckless and just letting his emotions get the better of him, and I was just like, who are you? (laughs) <laughs> who even are you anymore marco <laughs> what have you done yeah. with the real marco where's my son <laughs> where's my son yeah it really did it had a lot of rachel feels in this book because this like diving down with a roller coaster like i feel like rachel would just like be like fuck the roller coaster i'm just gonna plummet towards the ground right. but like it's a version of it yeah. it echoes it's the same basic <laughs> intent yeah, although if this was Rachel doing it, Jake in no way would have been like, oh, I guess I'll follow her onto the roller right. coaster. He'd be like, be like hey, get back here. Yeah, get back here. God damn it, Rachel's going off the rails again. <laughs> but <laughs> because it's Marco, he's like, oh, this is my best friend. We have to get in trouble together. Hmm. Although then again, there are multiple points in this book where Jake totally pulls rank on Marco and he would not have been able, like, he can pull rank on Rachel, but not in the way he does it to Marco. Sure. I freaking love, like, the interpersonal relationships that come through in these books. Like, you have a team, yes. and but you have, you know, deeper relationships within that team and mm-hmm. and things that happen because of that. Oh, man. It's just so good. So good. It is so good. And so, like, I mean, we... Obviously, we get into it every book. It's, like, so realistic that we're like, let me tell you about our friends. They're stupid. (laughs) Like, we're just going to tell you the stories about what our friends did and why we think they acted this way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it reminds me even of, like, a couple other friends and I were talking about a real-world scenario this week where we were trying to figure out the motivations for, like, why did this girl act like this? That was super weird. And I was like, oh, this is just like talking about animals. <laughs> <laughs> Except they're real and they're worse. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's 
Yeah, I'm going to get to this next scene because it's just as ridiculous. Um, So they make their way to the dolphin tank after this roller coaster scene. Um, And there's a ton of casual observers hanging out. And they're just like, well, we have to go for it, I guess. And so Tobias, like, starts hunting a dolphin, basically. (laughs) And he dives in, screaming, of course, Mm -hmm. because God forbid Tobias ever does a dive towards something stupid without screaming. Dive quietly, motherfucker. I know, right? And some kid's like, Mom, he's gonna kill the dolphin. <laughs> that was my favorite part, the like child that was just like, oh no! <laughs> oh. Um, so he lands the hit, but his talons get stuck in the dolphin's skin because it's, you know, Cause, rubbery. Because no one saw and that coming. No one saw that coming. And then the dolphin just like doesn't seem like the dolphins hurt it just starts like going nuts because there's a bird and it's fun and yay and so it starts like like leaping around its tank and tobias is like getting half drowned which would have been funnier if the thought speak had cut out like he was drowning but because it's thought speak (laughs) speak, of course yeah exactly (laughs) that would have been way funnier but it didn't it didn't it was thought speak it's fine but, um, yeah, he gets, like, drowned and, like, leapt, leaping through stuff. And eventually this dolphin's mad dash turns towards a hoop, which is probably, like, literally the cliched flaming hoop during a show. But yeah. because it wasn't during a show, it's just a hoop. And Tobias is like, the dolphin's going to make it through this hoop and I'm going to be killed. And so Marco's like, oh, I know what to do. And he just comes diving in and, like, bonks Tobias off the dolphin and just, like, knocks him off. Jesus. And, and Tobias gives him shit, like, hey, man, you almost broke my wing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, you were going to die. <laughs> okay, I have two points for this this whole yes. piece of shenanigan. Um, so the dolphin <laughs> did not go into a trance. Um, Not even a little, yeah. Is that the first time this has happened so far in the books? No, there was another scenario where it happened. I, I'm struggling to come up with when it was, but there was something else, too, that didn't go into a trance. Okay. I'm kind of, like, again, with my not knowing what happens in future books, mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering why that happens. Like, if it's just an edge case or if it's like a specific sort of incident, it's type. it's like in like one of those edge cases, like okay. Rachel being allergic to the alligator. Okay, it's, like it just, it's completely random. Yeah, it's random. Okay, it it's like ninety nine percent of the time this is how it goes down, but every once in a while, okay. it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, because because the other thing was they've acquired these dolphins before. They've probably acquired that mm-hmm. specific dolphin before, and it was fine back then. We think maybe I don't remember. Yeah, but they like that's the the dolphins are trained, so like they might have not been in a trance, but also right. they were feeding them fish and, and like they were they calm were... anyway, right? Gotcha. So yeah, okay, it probably like just didn't matter. All right, or like we speculated back in book four, all of the dolphins have died because because <laughs> <laughs> Joey ate all the fucking fish. <laughs> Joey ate all the fucking fish, and this is a brand new set of dolphins. And, like, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Joey, the murderous dolphin's gonna kill them oh all. Oh my god! <laughs> and then Fluffer McKitty murdered all the dolphins. <laughs> He's not gonna be work. <laughs> oh. oh. Okay. God. My other point is. Yeah. Would Tobias be able to fly if he was that wet? No, not even a little. Yeah. 
Like, no. Okay. There's no way. I, I thought so. Because usually when birds get wet, they have to kind of dry off and they hold their wings out to dry off. And it's really cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had a blue jay do that on the roof of my shed the other week and it was adorable. Aww. It was adorable. But yeah. Yeah, he would really have a hard time. I mean, their feathers are somewhat waterproof, but like yeah. he would have a real hard time. I don't think he would have been able to fly after this level of insanity. Well, and would the salt in the water have some effect as well? See, I was thinking about that, but like not short term. It would be a long term effect, but because he's like morphing and like preening sure. and all that other shit, you know, okay. I don't probably think it would have. Yeah, probably would have been fine. Okay. I mean, they, they. I think we've talked about this before, like, way back when Jake was feeding Tobias Tupperware hamburger meat, Ugh. but, like, the birds cannot yeah. process salt at all. Right. Like, well, okay, hawks and, like, native birds to here cannot, like, penguins and shit can, mm-hmm. but they also have, like, a special duct in their nose where they sneeze salt at you constantly. Cute. It's adorable. Yes. So they got a dolphin morph for Tobias. Tobias gets his dolphin morph. Gets his he dolphin He does. On. He gets his dolphin on, and after that, I wrote relatively uneventful dolphin rodeo. <laughs> basically. <laughs> they, basically. The kids start flying out to Royan Island to scout out the yerk activity that Eric is talking about, and um, this chapter opens with Cassie reassuring everybody that the dolphin will be fine, like, they're going to give him some antibiotics for his cuts, and they're going to observe him. They're going to make sure he's okay. Like, nobody worry about the dolphin. And Tobias just being like, who gives a shit about the <laughs> dolphin? What about me? <laughs> like, it's just awesome. Like, I know Cassie and Tobias is one of the relationships that, like, I speculate about a lot because there's not ever a lot of details in the book. Like, those two don't really interact a ton other than when it's important for like predator versus cassie Mm -hmm. being okay with herself kind of a thing but yeah i love it so much so anyways tobias is like what about me why does no one care about me (laughs) and once again Um, he's like super duper grumpy and it's adorable he is so grumpy he is not at all pleased with what has just gone down (laughs) like at all (laughs) yeah so <laughs> they head out to the island. Um, as they fly out, one end of the island is kind of abandoned, and the other one has a house on it. And there's a bunch of guys with, like, uh, guns and shit, like machine guns, security dudes on the top of the building. Uh, they go to the abandoned side. And I'm not even sure why they brought it up, because, like, it never means anything in this book. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a secure house on the island. Um, so they go to the other side of the island... It goes well. They wade into the water and they start going dolphin, except for Axe, who goes shark. Um, Tobias, of course, rides Rachel out into the ocean because he's (laughs) scared. As one does, I guess. What Um, if she just, like, picked him off her shoulder and, like, put him in the water and he was like, (laughs) eee! That would be amazing. waved his little wings around. (laughs) He did the swimming thing that, like, eagles do when they get too wet. <laughs> or, like, when you hold a dog over the water and they start, like, kicking. <laughs> what if he did? Like, Rachel's just holding him with, like, straight out, and he's just, like, gently, like, flapping and kicking his oh little feet. Oh, my God, that's adorable. <laughs> that's adorable. I love that. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that happened, I guess. Um, yeah, so they, they're all going dolphin, and they we get a good description of the morph and, like, how it goes and how the legs like super glue together and they fall face first 
And and Cassie finally reveals that dolphins are not fish; they are mammals. Oh, finally! And, when? Oh. Why did she not mention this earlier? Yeah, book four, you had several opportunities. Yeah, you. Why did you never take advantage of that? <gasps> Maybe she didn't know back then, and then she figured it out in the time oh. between these books, and then had to bring. It yeah, back. she had to retcon it. Cassie's retconning. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I love was that. Marco did not once call them a fish. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he was because last time Marco was the biggest proponent of like, haha, dolphins are fish, dolphins are fish. Yeah. Anyways, Marco was too serious in this book to joke around like that. It's true. So, um, yeah. Anyways, they they all go dolphin, except Axe, and everybody's like kind of weirded out by Axe. They're like, dolphins do not like sharks. And uh, then they go swim around like idiots because they're in dolphin morph. And they're like, let's race. Let's jump. Let's jump together. This is great. (laughs) And um, even Tobias is like, this is just like flying, but really heavy wind. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, Tobias. And then uh, he starts a race, which is, this is like the only time we've seen Tobias like really giddy about something. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, let's have a race. It'll be great. Um. And during this race is when all the fun seeps out because they stumble on some giant thing in the water and they echolocate it and they see that like there's a hologram projecting a reef on the bottom. But once they like echolocate and then like go through the hologram, they see it's this huge underwater facility and they're like, let's go check it out. Like this is what Eric's talking about for sure. And as they kind of start swimming towards this thing, it's, cut short their mission to scout it out is cut short because there's hammerheads swimming directly at them (laughs) and like at first they're not really sure what to do because they're like what what are these sharks doing this is really weird for sharks um and then jake gives the order to retreat once they realize these sharks are working as a team and they're kind of outnumbered but Marco has already completely panicked because of his incident with the shark in book four and he is like booking it out of there as fast as he can with flashbacks of being bitten in half like going through his head like the ptsd is really intense right here Uh so yeah marco's like just running like crazy like blazing as fast as he can go and then at some point he kind of realizes he's panicking and then um things kind of turn around and marco's like okay I'm going to, like, mess this guy up and start a feeding frenzy. So he turns around, he rams one of the sharks, there's blood in the water, and he's like, okay, great, they're going to be, like, totally frenzied, now we can get away. And the sharks do not even pause. They keep coming at them in a formation. And so, like, oh, shit, (laughs) this is not good. (laughs) And uh, I think it's Marco at that point that says, okay, what we have to do is jump, jump over them. Sharks can't jump. (laughs) And... That's where I wrote my awesome joke in the book. I love that. I'm so glad you did, because I was like, that joke is so stupid. But yeah, he was like, sharks can't jump. And I was like, ah, yes, that 90s classic, white sharks can't jump. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, they, they jump to sharks. That gives them a little more space. And they're trying to like figure out on the fly, like, what's our plan? What do we do? And then an alarm starts blaring. And it's kind of far away, but they can still hear it. And the sharks just like turn and stop coming at them and marco's like trying to save face big time here and he's like 
we should go investigate the alarm. Let's turn around and look. And Rachel's like, yeah. And Marco's like, oh, shit, she agreed with me. That's not good. Um, but this is interrupted by a submarine that's passing below them. And in the submarine, it's like they describe it as like a cigar shaped thing with like an open top where they can see into it. And in it, they can see what can only be a Lyran, which is like this frog monster with tentacles and like a like weird domey skull thing that can see that like it turns and looks at them like it recognizes that they aren't really dolphins and a shark and then they see Vizzer one marco's mom and allegedly he had to stop himself from saying hi mom yeah. which would have been bad yeah. and it is on this revelation that we stop the shark mission <laughs> like it was a weirdly long mission and now it's over. They're at home. Which, I don't know. This cut just felt really weird to me. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it makes sense because the next scene is Marco talking to his dad. He's not talking to his dad about his mom. He's talking to himself about his mom. But still. Um, he gets home. His dad's like, I'm ordering a pizza. And Marco's like, okay, just no anchovies. And he's like, oh, so what do you want on it? And he's like, I don't care. Just not anchovies. Leave me alone. You don't understand. I know. What kid ever wants anchovies on their pizza? Yeah. But yeah, so he decides to go start his homework while waiting for the said pizza. And he's like... His book report on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, which is like a college fucking level book. What are you even doing, Marco? So, so I did write this in, in the, the book that we're going to give away. Um, mm-hmm. We did have the option to read it in high school, which still isn't, you know, fucking eighth grade or whatever, but... Um, and then, for the record, because Lord of the Rings came out as a movie about the time I was 13, I did read it when I was 13. But it's a fucking hard read, like, so... It's a super hard to read. To your credit, yeah. I, I did read it, uh, not for school, just, like, for fun, okay. when I was younger, because the movies came out, so... And basically, what I ended up doing was, like, reading the first few chapters of book one reading up until we read the Rohan Riders in book two, and then all of book three. <laughs> Wait. You, that was... Did you skip some of was, the two towers? Oh, heck yeah. I skipped most of book one, probably a three quarters of book two, and then just read all of book three. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I just, like, I'm, I'm a good reader, I want to say. Like, I really, I can read through a lot of books, but, like... Because the movies had come out and I started with the movies, I was like, I want to get to the scenes that I want to read. And normally I would never allow myself to do this. And that's why I started book one and two, because I'm like, okay, the rule is you have to read through it. But with Lord of the Rings, it was just so long and it was taking me so long that I'm like, I got to get to book three. I got to get into book three. And that was like my first reading. I've since read them all through. But the first time I did it, like, when I first bought this series at, you know, mm-hmm. Borders, where they had the pack with all the movie edition covers, yeah. that was what I did. I read I read it all because I had a crush on Legolas, and so <laughs> I was, like, scheming the pages, like, hoping Legolas would say something, and then, like, writing down the Nothing. quotes that he said. I know! He says, like, 20 things in the entire book, and they're all, like, a sentence. Yeah. A diversion! Yeah. Orcs! Look at that! <laughs> <laughs> It's all like he stared and it like it's so funny too because he's like not even really mentioned in the book they're like here's what everybody was doing in great detail Legolas was there too (laughs) and meanwhile I'm just like oh what a dream boat 
Yeah. He doesn't do anything. No, he really does not in the books do much of anything. And he didn't fucking skateboard down a stairwell while shooting Urukai in the books. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? They didn't call that out. (laughs) He was not cool enough for that maneuver. Yeah, it's that was like that was part of my problem with it because I too like Legolas was my favorite character too, and um, uh, like I I started reading it for Legolas, and that was part of why I skipped. But like I a lot of the world building and things like that, like I got into later, but I really wanted to read through the battle scenes, and that was why book three was like mm. so strong for me because I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I'm here for is this action and the character like because you get the vignettes right of every character doing everything during the battle that like brings the whole scene together so yeah but anyways yeah it was it was good and i appreciate um catherine applegate's obsession with lord of the rings yes like i wish i had have read it so i could appreciate gondor industries so much more so question this made me think of something doesn't marco Mm -hmm. at some point describe rachel as one of Tolkien's elves. Mm-hmm. But he, he hasn't read Lord of the Rings in this book? He must have, though. Okay. <laughs> I feel like all of the characters have a working knowledge of Lord of the Rings just because <laughs> Catherine is such a big fan. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe he read The Hobbit. He could have read The Hobbit, the yeah. Elves and The Hobbit. He could have just read, like, the first like chapter of book one and being like ah yes i now know about elves maybe he read the entire silmarillion and not lord of the rings (laughs) before lord of the rings (laughs) he was like man the silmarillion that's my jam as someone who's read the silmarillion that's like just shoot me i could not make it through the silmarillion Oh my I god. I was like, I am I such a Lord of the Rings play. fan, but I can't do that. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh my god. If I could have just gotten like a friggin' flow chart with everybody's names on it and like a summary of what they did, yeah. that would have been better yeah. for me. Somebody should make like the Silmarillion for dummies. Maybe they already did that. I don't know. I hope they did. I'm buying that book. If there's a Silmarillion for dummies, <laughs> I'm totally getting that. Oh <laughs> uh, god. Anyways. So, Marco is waiting for the pizza, and he's doing his homework. He's listening to Bob Marley, which was hilarious. Put that on the playlist. Yeah, I'm definitely putting that on the playlist. Um, and he's struggling with his homework because all he can concentrate on is his mom, and so he starts, like, screaming into his pillow. His dad comes up to check on him, and he doesn't really press Marco, but Marco comes up with, like, the worst fucking lie of all time. Where he's, like, basically just, like, screaming, like, what do I do? And then he's like, oh, no, Dad, that's the lyrics to the song. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they are. (laughs) Um, And his dad's like, okie dokie. Well, if you want to come down and watch a movie. And Marco's initially like, no, I'm good. Like, I got to get this done. And then afterwards, like, once his dad leaves, he starts thinking about, like, can I trust him to be, like, a regular person? Is he a controller? And then he basically just decides, like, you know what, I don't know, but what I can do is go watch a movie with my dad. And so he goes and watches a movie with his dad. That was upsetting. Like, the the inkling that he couldn't trust his dad. Because mm-hmm. the only two confirmed kind of, well, not two, but the, there's a very small amount of people 
that the Animorphs associate with that they know are controllers. Like, Cassie's never right. suspected her parents of being controllers, and, like, uh, Rachel's never suspected, like, her sisters or her mom. But, like, right. the fact that doubt is creeping into Marco's head about his dad is so upsetting. Yeah, and it's so... But it's right. They should all be more concerned than they are. Yeah. Like they should be like fucking terrible, but... like keeping tabs on their parents. Be like, oh hey, like what did you do today? Did you meet any weird people? Have you gone to that sharing thing? Like, have you talked to any strangers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No. It, it's and they can't either. Like they don't have the resources because it could happen at any time. Yeah. Like that's true. If I were Marco, though, I'd be like, hey, Tobias, when you're just, like, goofing off during the day, can you keep tabs on my dad? Yeah. But then he'd have to share something with a member of his team, and we all know he's not going to do yeah, that. that's impossible. We can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. Anyway. But we get this really sad moment of, like, for his dad, he's going to go watch a movie with him. Like, he has this moment of, like, family is really important, and I want to honor that, so I'm going to hang out with my dad. Yeah. That was nice. Well, he does that. Um, hopefully they watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it came out yet, but sure. It, it was not out yet, but still. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. They could have watched the Rankin-Bass version. Not Rankin-Bass. Who the fuck? The other guy. The animated version. Oh, the, yeah, the shitty animated fuck. version. I'm an animation major. I should know this. Um, that Ralph Bakshi. Dear God. Nice. Rankin Bass. It's the same initials, though, so I can see where the confusion was. Honestly, if you had have slurred either of those words, I would have thought they were the same. <laughs> <laughs> Rankin Bass. Uh, <laughs> really I'm so disgusted like, with myself. Yeah. You know. Fish. You know, like the Rudolph Arendo's reindeer puppet people. Fucking, yeah, they didn't. No. That was a fun fuck up. It's okay. iPods are triangular, and CDs are the height of technology. (laughs) Yeah, we're a great source of information. (laughs) We're always right. We're always right about everything. So, they go somewhere. Yes. Aquarium? Cut to the barn. Yeah, Yeah, we cut to the barn the next day, and uh, they're just having a normal meeting, and they decide that they need hammerhead shark morphs, and they're like, can we get it at the gardens? And Cassie's like, nope, we don't have those there. But there's this new place called Ocean World that does. Yeah, convenient. Nothing at all like SeaWorld. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're like, okay, we'll meet up later tonight. We'll bust into Ocean World, get the hammerhead shark, and uh, we'll do the mission later. So they meet up later, as they planned, and they start scoping out the place. And it sounds like there's like an open air aspect to it between the aquariums like there's an indoor building area where you can go through like the tunnels but they're just walking through like pathways outside at night Mm -hmm. and they hear something coming towards them so the kids all jump into the bushes and axe does too but like the bushes are too short to cover his upper torso (laughs) so he just kind of badly jumps into bushes and um then the flashlight comes onto like trains onto his torso and there's two guards that are coming at them and the one the guard one of the guards is like what is what is this what is this and the other like super redneck guard who i picture being the cop from stranger things yes the, yeah yeah yes it's exactly what i pictured he looks at him he's like well that that sure is an andalite yeah oh my god our minds went the exact same way yes good 
That's exactly what I pictured. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this, this older guard's like, yeah, it sure is an Andalite. And uh, so the other guy's freaking out. And the guard, the older dude that's the controller, just knocks him out. He's like, man, that dude was annoying. <laughs> he just pistol whips him in the fucking head. Oh, my God. Knocks him out. Uh. And uh, so he still has his gun trained on Axe, and that's when they decide they need a distraction. So Marco stands up and he goes, hello, can you point me towards the souvenir stand? Dumb. And at the same time, Tobias comes screaming in, aiming at the guy's eyes. Screaming again. Of course, screaming. Of course, he's screaming. So it's just chaos. And then there's a struggle where, like, the gun goes off and the guy's shooting. And the gun actually goes off in Marco's hands. And this could have been a moment where, like, if this series was a little darker, like a hair darker than it is, yeah. Marco would have shot the controller. But also, he didn't. Also, going back to <laughs> Tobias screaming. Yeah. Maybe it is so that he screams to get their attention to look up at him so he can claw their eyes out. Ooh, that's smart. Ooh. Anyway. So, um, yeah, T- Tobias gets, like, stabs his eyes out. There's a struggle. The gun goes off in Marco's hands. It's nuts. And they, this is enough of a distraction to get away from the guy from Stranger Things. <laughs> and <laughs> they make it to uh, one of the facilities, and there's the door, but it's locked, and Axe just basically, like, slices the lock open. They break in, and they're like, great, we're home free. And they start walking down this long tunnel where they it's, like, kind of dark and they can see all the shapes kind of, like, moving over them, like, weird ghostly, like, white fish things, like, swimming around. And Axe is like, wow, this hologram's amazing. Like, you, this is nice work. I didn't expect this from humans. Ah. And someone was like, no, dude, this is totally plastic. And he's like, we're in a tunnel of badly made human plastic? Why do you do this? <laughs> like... He totally freaked out, and I loved it. I loved oh. every moment of it. He was totally like, what's wrong with you humans? Why do you do these things? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're in a tunnel of badly made plastic, and uh, then the guards show up in the tunnel, and it's not good. <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like giving guns to aquarium security is a little extreme, especially since they're not all controllers. Like, if you're, like, I can see giving them kind of the controllers because they don't fucking care, but, like, really? Guns for, but then again, this is America, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just give them, like, nightsticks or something. Like, just especially just since they say that. Flashlight. Ki- yeah, like, they say that kids break in there all the time. It's like, what? No, shooting kids is bad, though? <laughs> shooting kids is bad uh, uh, anyway, yeah i was kind of like geez it's a hardcore aquarium and i can't think of a single situation in this aquarium that would require them to have guns in a locked aquarium at night yeah like it's just not necessary <laughs> i mean unless they're breeding like super smart sharks but not like <laughs> the yerk thing but like deep blue sea <laughs> I made so many Deep Lucy references in my annotations of the book we're giving away. No! I need pictures of all of them! Oh, okay. I'll take a picture of my favorite comments and send them to you. Okay, good. Good. I think they're doing a Deep Lucy remake. Did you see that? Oh, are they? They are. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I'll have to find the video and, and send it to you. I hope Jeff Goldblum's in it. <laughs> Life uh, finds a, a way. <laughs> 
Oh, God. <laughs> Why? Why did I mix those two? Because oh, they're both about scientific experiments gone horribly wrong monster movies. And Samuel Jackson is in both. Is he? Oh, yeah, he is. <gasps> yeah. I'm sensing yeah. a trend. <laughs> Samuel anyway. Jackson trend. He's really good in disaster movies. He died so early on, though, in Deep Blue Sea. Like, in the first, like, 20 minutes. Oh, Anyways. I gotta, I gotta watch that on Netflix before it goes away. Yeah, me too. But, but you like, have I'm it. have the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to watch it on Netflix and see if the experience is different. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. Anyways, yeah. So, um, they're in this tube. Guards are shooting at them for reasons. Yeah. And um, they basically just tell Axe, cut the tunnel. And so he does. And it shatters. And they are all underwater. And Marco just gets swept down this tunnel, like, completely away from everybody else. And he's, like, bopping around trying to find a place to come up and breathe. His lungs are burning. He's drowning. He tried a space. There's nothing there. Tried another one. And he was in luck. It was, like, some sort of air conditioning unit thing. Um, And the whole time that he's, like, freaking out, panicking, flailing around, looking for somewhere to breathe, there's something bumping into him. So he gets some air, he kind of calms down for a second, and goes, okay, let's, like, check out where this shark is. So he, like, puts his head underwater, and, like, the shark is coming straight at him. So he, like, of course. So he, like, Spider-Man leaps into this tube, like, with his hands and feet on each wall, holding himself up there. And apparently the shark actually, like, comes up out of the water to take a look at him. Yeah. Like, I just don't think sharks are this aggressive, especially well-fed aquarium sharks. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, And then Marco's like, I can't hold this forever. I have to, like, take a shot and see that the, like, try to get the shark into the acquiring trance. Hopefully it works, unlike the dolphin situation earlier. So he drops out of the tube onto the shark's back, which it wasn't expecting, couldn't prepare for, and he grabs it and starts acquiring it. And luckily enough, it goes into the trance, and he just kind of, like, like floats it down and, like, up towards the top of the tank where, luckily, the other Animorphs were hanging out. So <laughs> he hands him a shark. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Have a shark. <laughs> So, oh, oh yeah. and not to mention that their original plan when they got to the aquarium was to have everyone morph dolphin, climb into the shark tank, and beat the shit out of it so it was unconscious when they acquired it. What I the mean, fuck? Cassie wasn't on board with I that I was not plan on board with all. this. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, it's a shark. You know, they're kind of mean. People eat sharks all the time. And I'm just like, fuck you! Yeah, like... That was a really violent plan. Yeah. <laughs> that felt like a hate crime. Yeah. God. I was very upset by that. Yeah, that was not a great plan. And, like, I can't think of any other animal where, like, to, I mean, I guess, to be fair, a lot of the time, the situations with these large predators, other than Rachel, like, I'm going to go to the grizzly bear pen in the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> All the other plans are kind of like, oh, we stumbled onto this creature and we have the chance to acquire it yeah. now. But, Oops, we yeah. accidentally a tiger. Oops, we accidentally a crocodile. Like, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we accidentally a crocodile. <laughs> I guess Big Jim, was... they're like, give him an apple. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, so they get the shark morph and they're like, we're done. Let's head out. 
And uh, because like it's now Monday, they're like, we're going to have to wait on testing the shark morphs until the mission. Yeah. But Marco's like, he's dying to become this shark. It's uh, He's having this like, because the shark bit me in half, this is like facing my fears. I need to know what it feels like to be the predator instead of the prey. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up with the smartest of smart ideas. Oh my God. And goes to the seemingly empty school pool to try out his shark morph which, like, let's say that things go well as far as people stumbling in on him. Oh, What's man. he going to do as a shark in a chlorinated freshwater right. pool? Fuck, exactly. I, yeah. What the fuck, Marco? Marco! You're, you're supposed to be the intelligent one of the group. Fucking stop this. Yeah, what happened to his brain in this fucking book? No, I blame puberty. He's having growth spurts. His hormones are raging. I mean, honestly. He's so fucking reckless and dumb in this book. I was like, stop this. Yeah, I. he's... Yeah. He needs help in this book. Yeah. Some sort of help. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't but... go very well at all. It doesn't go well at all. He starts to become a shark. And of course... Like, two school bullies come out of the woodwork when he's, like, one-eighth of the way into shark morph, and they start harassing him. And, like, eventually these school bullies start bringing his mom into it, which, like, that's inappropriate even for school bullies. Yeah, that's below the belt. That's way below the belt. But, yeah, they start harassing him, and Marco's just, like, creep of all creeps, staring at the guy's jugular... And one of the first things to morph was his eyes. So he has these flat black shark eyes. And like, yeah, the bullies even ask at one point, like, what's up with his eyes? And every time they're like, go get him. They're like very reluctant to approach Marco at all. And he's being super weird because he's just staring at like their beating throats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like a demon Um, possession scene. Yeah, exactly. And he has his shark teeth coming in, too, which is, like, yeah. But um, Marco's, like, getting ready to launch at this bully and, like, bite him in the throat. And Jake comes out of nowhere. Conveniently. (laughs) Conveniently, as he so often does. And he basically just, like, says, stand down, Marco. This is not, do not get into this fight. Save it for the real bad guys. And, like, the bullies are, like, apparently just so weirded out by the interaction between Marco and Jake. They're like, oh, what do we do in this situation? And then they just leave, I guess. We didn't know what to do, so we just left. Yeah, we're like, well, this seems too intense for me. Bye-bye. And Marco does demorph and gets rid of his bloodthirsty rage. And uh, Jake's like, do you want to sit this mission out? And Marco's like, absolutely not. Which... So, like, obviously he's not okay, and... Obviously. (laughs) But instead of being like, hey, maybe I'm not okay, he has the opposite reaction of, I cannot show weakness, I have to do this anyway. Such a Rachel move. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, like, the whole, like, oh, there's bullies, I'm going to tear their throats out. That's a Rachel move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What the hell is happening? I don't know. Yeah. But that's where they kind of leave off, too. It's a really weird part to, like, 
just stop where Marco's like, I will not sit this mission out. And that's like, okay, we're at the mission. Like there's a whole week of Marco interacting with Jake that we did not get to see. Mm-hmm. And I would like to, yes, I would like to know how that went down for the whole week. But yeah, so they cut to the weekend where they're going to do this uh, mission with the sharks. And they fly out to Royan Island. It's pretty uneventful. And as they get to the beach and they're about to go morph shark, Marco gets pulled aside and Jake's like, let's have one last heart to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Can you do this kind of a thing? And Marco is just not having it. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And that's when Jake says like, listen, you have to act your part. You are freaking everybody out. Like, you either need to admit that you're going to, like, not do this mission, that you have to say you're not going to do this mission, or you need to fucking act like yourself. And Marco says, like, it's a great irony that he has to act like he's, you know, everybody's going to die and everything's going to be terrible for his friends to feel comfortable with him. (laughs) I mean... But if they're not performing their best because they're unnerved by him... Like, again, it's not fair to put that pressure on him. Mm -hmm. But, like, I can kind of see where Jake is coming from. Oh, I can absolutely see where Jake is coming from. Like, that... He needs that to happen. Like, everybody needs to do their thing to keep the team together. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those, like, Jake's not your friend right now. Jake's your leader right now. Yeah. And there's a very distinct line between those two. And it has almost felt through this entire book that Jake keeps distancing himself from Marco as a friend. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I geek about Voltron again? Yeah. <laughs> so um, so there's a similar dynamic between Shiro and Keith, who's the paladin of the Red Lion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, As the series goes on, uh, it's shown that they were friends before this whole Voltron thing happened. And... Sometimes, like, Shiro has to pull rank on Keith, even though it's his friend, to be like, hey, you're acting like an idiot. Fucking stop it. And yeah. it's just so interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Like, it, it, the dynamic is just so hard to do. <laughs> but would you say in Voltron, it feels more like they are friends and he occasionally pulls rank? Or, like... Is it more like this, where he just keeps pulling back more and more because he needs to be the leader over his friend? Well, so the difference is that Shiro is significantly older than Keith. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's less of like an... In the in the beginning, it's less of like an equal friendship and more of like a, you were my mentor, you were my older brother figure. Oh, okay. So... That's probably not what Jake and Marco have. It's more of an equal footing sort of friendship. Um, But, like, as time goes on in Voltron, I think it becomes less like Shiro needs to pull rank because Keith is also growing into a less angry, more rounded person. I don't know. That makes sense. I just want to talk about Voltron. (laughs) (laughs) Sidecast, the Voltron cast. Yes. Yeah, that's and that's funny because in this one, even though they're not, like, I mean, they're growing, but, like, not in age, obviously. They're aging the same, but they start calling Jake, like, dad a lot and making oh, fun yeah. of, like, oh, he's so much older than all of us, even though he's the same age. And they call Shiro space dad. It's just, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same show. <laughs> it is the same show. All right. Back to what happens on the island. Turks. There's a smoke monster. 
No, I'm just kidding. That's a different show. That's Lost. Pain of mind. Have you ever seen Lost? I haven't. Okay. Then that joke is not funny to you. Scrub it. Cut it out. (laughs) You will not get my smoke monster joke. Anyways. um, So Marco is going on this mission. If it kills him or his mom or whoever else, he does not give a shit. He's going on this mission. Yikes. Um, and he goes into the water to morph shark, and one of the first things that starts morphing this time is his legs, like, with the dolphin morph. So, he kind of tumbles over, he cuts himself on a shell, but he's not really concerned about it, because he's morphing to shark. Foreshadowing! Foreshadowing! And, uh, he makes it to the shark morph. We get some really cool descriptions, again, of morphing and so on and so forth. And then he can smell the blood in the water. And he just, like, it sends all of them into this frenzy. Like, they're all searching for this blood. And, like, they're talking about how they can, like, sense the magnetic pull of the earth. But more importantly, they can sense this, like, tiny little bit of blood in the water. And they're following the trail left and right and circling and bumping into each other. And they just can't locate the source of the prey. And then it's Marco that has that realization, like, oh, I just fell and cut myself. That's my blood. And that, like, moment of, like, aha, kind of breaks him through the shark's brain. And then he's able to help the other animals kind of get control of the morph and, and figure it out. Because it's it's not like it it's not like Ant, but it is like Ant in, like, how it's one of the harder morphs to break out of. Because it's, like, so simple and old and complete, like, that they, mm. they have trouble with it. I wonder um, if they're ever going to morph Taxon. They mm. might. Have have fun controlling those urges. Yeah. As we saw in Andalite Chronicles. Yeah. And even when they did control those urges, it did not turn out well for Elfangor. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, they... Poor LeBron. Poor LeBron. I miss <laughs> LeBron. LeBron James. <laughs> oh my god, did you see that email from the other Alex P talking about... Um, how our, us calling him LeBron James made him think about a space jam with the Animorphs in the Yerks. What? No, I didn't see that. I'll, uh, <laughs> he even I'll gave us a basic plot outline. It's amazing. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, you'll have to look at that for sure. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, so they, they're able to break through to the shark's brains, and Marco then is able to help them out afterwards. And they continue on the mission after talking about how kind of, like, startled they were by how intense the shark is. And they, I think they said they, they had gotten a little cocky about morphing and controlling the animals. And so this was a good reminder. Like, pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, they uh, go to the facility and um, Axe reminds them, steer clear of any Lyrans because, you know, the whole, like, mind reading thing. But Marco... Oh, God, I know. So much <laughs> foreshadowing. Um and then Margo is distracted because on the way in, he saw his mom through one of the bubble windows. Um, the Animorphs make it into the facility with almost no issues because they're hammerhead sharks. The other sharks are not paying attention to them at all. They're like, ah, oh, yes, fellow hammerhead, come into this facility. And, like, it was weird that it was hammerhead specific. Like, you'd think any shark would be able to get in. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And Axe now has two shark morphs. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so uh, they get in there, they're talking game plan, like, what are we going to do? We're going to go to fly, whatever, uh, when Cassie is grabbed up by some metal claws, and Marco immediately after is also grabbed, and they're basically taken into this giant hammerhead shark conveyor belt thing, where the sharks are being scanned, and when they get to Cassie, a drill comes out, drills a hole in her head, implants a thing, and then, like, solders it up with a laser, 
And then just drops her back in the water. (laughs) Yeah, like, this was kind of, like, just glossed over, but this is probably one of the most horrifying things, maybe top five most horrifying things that have happened so far in the series. Yeah, and I actually thought that they were just throwing yurks in their heads, like, right then and there, and I was just like, oh, shit. Like, that would have been gonna so get all bad. six of them right there. Yeah, it would have been. That would have been the end. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my god. Okay, let's come back to this because I have some observations about sharks' brains. Okay. <laughs> Very soon, like after another sentence or two, we're bringing it right back. But um, yeah, so they drop them in the water, and no one seems worse for the wear. But they immediately realize that the sharks are starting to get smarter. Like their morphs and the brain inside of the animals are starting to like wonder and question things like will there be food later and it freaks them all out and they i think at this point realize that the yurks are basically trying to mutate the sharks to make them viable host bodies deep blue sea deep blue sea yeah so apparently reproductive organs are not a good flight path for yurks because that's basically what shark brains look like as an ovary system oh I was like, wait, which kind of reproductive organs? All. All. No, that's what shark brains look like. And also, like, when they were mentioning, like, making an ear canal for the yurks to go through, like, that won't work with an underwater creature. Yeah. So, good luck mutating them. I don't think this is gonna work. Your plan is stupid, the end. Your plan is stupid. I do not agree with it. Abandon it. Now. (laughs) Yeah, but that's their plan. They're going to mutate the sharks, and it's going to be really fucking weird. I don't know why they do this. But anyways, um, so the, at this point, they decide, we just have to scout out the building and find out more. There are, there are something weird going on, and we just need to figure it out. So they're going to morph back to their own bodies and then go to flies to see everything. They get back to their own bodies without a problem, including Tobias. But then when they start going fly, it gets really weird, and... They're in terrible pain, and Marco's the first one that sees it, and I think he says he saw it through Rachel's head first. The chips that they implanted are too large, and it's going to burst through their heads. But, like, why? Like, why? Because bullets usually just kind of, like, you know, shit that they they get just kind of, like, doesn't... It just falls out, or it morphs with them because it's skin tight. Like, why? Bullets? Well, you'll find that out soon. <laughs> That's a bit oh. of a spoiler. Uh, okay. But, like, oh. shit like that. And, like, skin-tight clothing morphs with them. Like, why yeah. wouldn't this just morph? That's a good question. For plot convenience. Yeah, I guess. I mean, let's... I, I guess I'll try. Um, I'm gonna guess maybe because it's connected to, like, the brainstem or something. There's something about it that doesn't allow that area to, like, work with it. I don't know. They just didn't design it to fucking change size because they yeah. didn't expect they would use it on anything that morphed. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so these chips are going to burst out of their heads. So they go back to their regular forms and that's when they're like, okay, this is not okay. There's your technology in our heads. Like we have to do something about this right now. Um, so they're going to split up and try to figure out how to get these chips out of their heads. And uh, the first team is Rachel, Cassie, and Jake, and they go to Battle Morphs. And then Hex, Tobias, and Marco go to Bird Morphs to scout the place. Um, 
and they kind of have a plan, sort of. Like, the Battle Morph kids are going to create a distraction, and the other ones are going to use that to, like, snoop around, and... I don't, I don't really know how this plan came to be, but um, there's like a hallway where the only time the doors open are when the taxons are coming in and out, so they have to time it perfectly, and there's a taxon coming out, they're like, let's go, and then Jake roars from another part of the facility, and this taxon comically just starts backing up, like, oh, <laughs> not today, <laughs> and so they like fly nope. in, like right above him, and that was their chance to get in, but it was just hilarious to me, this idea of the taxon coming through the door and then being like, not today, Satan, and backs right <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he was just not going to have anything to do with can, it. Can we have a t-shirt of, with a tax on it? It just says, not today, Satan. <laughs> oh, yes, we can. Oh, man. Oh, my god, yes. <laughs> I am going to draw the shit out of that. Uh, okay, so yeah, it backs into the hallway, and they just come, like, blasting through the top of the door. They make it in there. But it turns out that what they just went into is a very long hallway with kind of, like, just rooms off to each side. And so they're like, oh, shit, because they're coming in super fast. And Tobias is the one that's like, okay, turn left really tight now into a classroom. and uh, Classroom? I don't know. It just seemed like a classroom. So it's a classroom now. And uh, <laughs> it, it is a classroom because I say it is. It is. I would teach in there. It's a classroom now. Um, and so Tobias is just like, keep turning as hard as you can and cut your speed and just kind of like spiral down to the ground. And so they basically do more or less, but they do so very ungracefully except for Tobias. And Tobias is like, this is the last time I do this shit with you amateurs. Um, he is so sassy. But this is what's really funny though, is he's really sassy and like, oh, this is the last time I do this with you amateurs. But then, like, he starts wondering, like, I wonder what Rachel's doing right now. Do you think she's an elephant or a bear? Oh, my God, so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. And then Marco's the one that's like, I think she'd do both at the same time if she could. And Tobias is kind of like, oh, she would. She's so funny. Like, <laughs> she's so pretty and great and awesome. She's so pretty and wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. Like, it was just a very, like, funny Tobias moment in the middle of all of this. And I loved it so oh. much. Your OTP so, is showing. I know. <laughs> I've, I've never hidden it. I'm flying <laughs> my Rachel Tobias flag high. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, anyways, <laughs> Marco starts, like, creeping around. They all, they all demorph except Tobias and start, like, scouting around. And Marco gets to a door that's closed, and he hesitates, and he hears this familiar voice saying, come in. And he hesitates a little longer, and, like, the voice is like, I don't give orders twice. So he goes in and he's facing his mom and he has the most un-Marco thing going on here. Although, I mean, it's sort of similar to how he was the first time that he saw her where he's just like freaking out. So he's like not on his game. He's not saying anything funny. He's not coming up with clever lies or anything like normal. He's just kind of staring and like stammering out just oh, weird a sad shit. little boy. And like... He's kind of staring at her and, like, you know, she's asking where the other technicians are. And he's just like, oh, Vizzer 3 killed him. And she's like, oh, that idiot. <laughs> and um, then she chastises him, like, saying, you need to get control of your host body. And she admits, like, do you not think that my host body, the biological parent of your host body, is not screaming and wailing in my head? She that, is. But I do not let this bother me. That fucking broke my heart. And 
I was listening. I was re-listening to episode five just yesterday, and I think I had asked you, like, oh, hey, I wonder if Marco and his mom are ever going to meet face-to-face. And you were kind of like, I'm not saying anything. And this is the <laughs> moment. Yes, this is the moment I was thinking of. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, it is horrible. Everything's horrible. It's all awful. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, this interaction doesn't do anything except have Marco stunned that, like, his mom is there and have him, like, go through multiple crises. Um, yeah, and then his mom orders him to go to work in the lab and kind of walks out past him and he just kind of pauses for a moment and then he sees through the window that there's these Horkbiger that are outfitted with these crazy underwater suits and a large chartreuse worm and he's like, ah, I know that worm. It is Fizzer 3. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoilers, it's Fizzer 3. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he turns and follows Visor 1 out, um, and he kind of watches her walk for a moment, and again has like that, that's my mom, that's not my mom. Uh, and then he ducks into a little side room, and he's like, I- I'm looking for Axe into, oh shit, here's Axe! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Axe has put his tailblade to Marco's throat, thinking he was an intruder, and then Marco says like, hey, I need my head, I use it sometimes. And <laughs> then Axe backs off, he's like, ah, Marco, that idiot. Um, so Tobias is sitting there in his human morph, and he's like, oh, we were just about to go looking for you. And they communicate what they found in the computer, which is basically that the easiest way to get the chips out of their brains is to blow up the whole facility. Uh-huh. So they start that process. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. <laughs> yeah, so that happens. They get that started. Um They go running from the room to go find the others. And Marco does make a joke at this point about like, ah, Jake, I always have to save that guy's ass. (laughs) He's getting funnier, but it's still not right. Yeah. But he's getting there. Um, And they're going to try to get out of the facility before it blows up. Marco starts morphing Gorilla as he's running and Tobias goes back to Hawk. And uh, Marco yells that he's the one that's going to go after Visor 1 because Axe is like, ah, I'm going to go put some tail into her. And Marco's like, nope. I got it. So he does catch up to her guard and starts punching out her hork guard. And he doesn't realize that there's also a Lyran nearby in this, like, weird little band that she's got going on there. And the Lyran starts saying, like, these are humans. And Visor 1 is like, you idiot, that's a gorilla. They're related to humans, but they're not. These are the Andalite Bandalites. And <laughs> he's like... Delirian's like, I, I'm sorry to disagree with you. And then Marco just punches it in the mouth. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut, up. Shut up. So yeah, he punches him in the mouth. And it's about this time that Visor 3 shows up out of whatever freaking porthole shark hole thing that he's coming out of. And he and Visor 1 just have this like weird insult war. Yeah, it's kind like, of funny. There's like chaos around them and they're just like, you suck. No, you suck. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, there's just this warning that goes off, like, the facility is about to explode in two minutes and 50 seconds. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, every time it gives the countdown, it wishes you a nice day. (laughs) Who designed this? It's so pleasant. (laughs) Yeah. and But see, normally it's all about, like, logical user interface kind of stuff but why would they t- program it to say have a nice day at the end of every single blow up message enjoy your doom 
Enjoy your doom. Have a nice doom. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. Now go. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for the Invader Sim movie. Anyway. Anyways, yes. Me too. But anyways. So, quick um, question. Um, yes. She mentioned, Visser 1 mentioned that Visser 3 was a traitor to the Empire. Mm-hmm. What? Help. How? I think she just means with, like, how badly he's screwing this up. Like, all we know about him so far is, like, what we've read in these books and then Andalite Chronicles is our biggest insight into his character. Like, she's just kind of... They're both just kind of at each other's throats. Like, I don't think there's oh. a specific example of something he's done where he's completely betrayed the Yerks. Okay. It's just that he's out for himself, you know, over... Yeah. Like, she's out to get the Yerk Empire into a position where they can take over and he's mm-hmm. just in it for himself. Okay. Yeah. This is where things start to get confusing. So apologies if my notes are slightly confusing, but okay. Visor one takes off. Visor three is there in his giant chartreuse snake body and he starts to attack the Animorphs and he launches himself at Axe who dodges the first blow. And Marco had said like, Axe, look out. And Axe like starts giving Marco shit. Like, Thank you, Marco, but I am not a mere human. I am an Andalite. And as he's giving Marco shit, he trips over some debris and Visor 3 <laughs> fucking nails him. Like, I shouldn't laugh because it's horrifying and I love Axe, but like, he's like, hey, buddy, don't worry about what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, oh. karma. Karma, Axe. <laughs> but yeah, so Visor 3 grabs him and has him in his snake mouth. And then Rachel, like, hugs him as a bear and is like, I will crush you. And Visor 3 is like, ha, we will have to negotiate our way out of this. We will need to, like, talk this through and decide how we will, like, get each other out of this stalemate we've got ourselves into. And then Marco's just like, negotiate this, and punches him in the face again. (laughs) He's just like, fuck all (laughs) y'all. Yeah, Marco punches him in the face. And this, like, completely, like, kind of knocks him senseless. Like, he loses, drops Axe, and he just kind of, like, slithers, like, confusedly backwards into the water. Very much like, I think, the Basilisk in Harry Potter. Like, when it kind of, like, rears up and, like, sucks back down. And it leaves a trail of slime over everything, including Axe. So (laughs) It's um, gross. So Rachel and Marco both talked to Visser 3. Yeah, and... I think he says, like, Rachel went for it, like, oh, no, that's bad. And then Marco just did it, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. There's so there's so many parallels between the two. Yeah. Yes, there is. And, like, Rachel is just getting more bold. <laughs> like, she's, she's just... I have thoughts on this, but I can't tell you until much later. Okay. Um, so, but Cassie's also talked to Visser 3, right? When she was a skunk? Right. But that was like, she had no other options. Yeah. yeah. That was, and like, Rachel totally had another option. Yeah. She had no reason to talk to him. She, yeah. She was just being. She just got cocky. Mm. And then Marco just got fed up. Like, mm. Marco's just, again, lost it and was like. Well, Rachel did it. Fuck it. All bets are off now. Like, Oh, no, babies. Yeah. Don't do these things. Don't, don't. But <laughs> luckily, they didn't say too much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I just can't see, like, 
probably what happened was Wizard 3 doesn't really remember what was said because he has a concussion or something, but... He's a, well, he's also a fucking idiot, so... Like... Yeah, he's also not very good at his job. Oh, uh, he doesn't know shit. He's such a... He's so incompetent. He is I'm with so Wizard 1. Yeah. Wizard 1, who's mildly competent. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But here's where things get, like, really bad. So... Visor 3 is, like, this was the knockout punch. Oh, here's the other thing about this. Like, this was the first time that Visor 3 showed up where it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, he's here, but, like, that's, he's, we'll deal with it, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, it's like, not Visor like 3- the room was dark and the temperature dropped and there was a yep. chill in the air and then there he was. It was just right. like, oh, look, this fucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like, because even in book 13, it was that very cinematic, like, he appeared out of the smoke and was, like, Tobias, intimidating. him, and, yeah. Right, and it's like, oh, no, I didn't see him. Yeah. And then, like, in book 14, it was that whole, like, he is desperate, so he's making heirs, but he's still, like, he's a formidable opponent. He belongs yeah. in the House of Horrors and all that. Yeah, like, <gasps> yeah. yeah. I didn't even then, notice that. In this book, it was like, Visser 1 is the bad thing. Oh, there's Visser 3, mm-hmm. too. Whatever. <laughs> like, oh, there's a giant worm. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it really was. And he didn't have, like, this big, like, oh, he's morphing. Oh, it's a giant scary monster. It was literally like, oh, there's a big worm. Oh, it's, the worm came inside. Oh, we punched him. Done. Worm's gone. <laughs> like. I love it. It did not matter. Like, he did not matter in this book. Mm-hmm. He made an appearance, but he did not matter. So, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, they defeat him, and uh, he slithers back into the water, and Rachel and Axe then take off to kill Vizzer 1. And they're like, we're going, Marco, you fucked up. We're going to go take care of this right now. And Marco decides to follow them, which is a decision he actually has to think about, and then he just doesn't know what to do. And he tells Jake, like, I'm going to do something. And Jake just says, do what's right. And Marco's like, I don't, I don't know what's right. Like, I'm not, I'm not the leader. I'm not the do-gooder. I'm the comedian of the group. I don't know what's right. I'm not Jake. And that was like a really weird, like a weird insight almost, I think. Like that, that Mm -hmm. didn't seem right to me, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So. uh, And I know uh, in the, in the book that we wrote in, um, you had mentioned, like, what would things be like if Marco was the leader instead of Jake? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about in Andalite Chronicles when Aloran said, hey, you should fucking nuke that entire ship full of yurks that are sleeping. Right. And um, Elfanger didn't want to do it, and I was like, Okay, so I can kind of see, I may be wrong, but I can kind of see Jake saying no and Marco saying yes to yeah, doing something I'm, like that. Yeah. Like, I think Marco could make the calls that Jake's emotions might get the, like, Jake's, not emotions, but, like, morals might get the better of him to do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I totally know what you mean. And that's, I, I mean... Jake's best decisions are when he reacts from his emotions or from his morals. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, we've seen it several times already. Like, when Jake tries to do the analytical thing like Marco does, it 
never works as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it would be interesting to see. That being said, maybe Marco would have come up with the A to B plan mm-hmm. much sooner than Jake did and could have made some important, you know, battle. T- like, Marco's the guy that, like... <sighs> So this was this is going to be a really weird tangent. I'm so sorry. But um do you remember that Benedict Cumberbatch movie the the uh Turing Yeah. Uh, Turing machine the one imitation where game. Right, the imitation game where he told them like listen, you can't blow up every sub. You have to let some of them go. You have to let people die mm-hmm. because otherwise they'll know we're on to them. Yeah. And here's like you have to let people die. Jake would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, Jake would never do that. Yeah. You know, from everything we've seen so far, he would save everyone. Mm-hmm. Marco, he would let them die. Yeah. And, like, he... I don't know which is better. Like, <laughs> it, neither is better, okay? Like, mm-hmm. neither one is better. They're both shitty. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to think about, like, this book in the terms of what's the most analytical, logical thing to do. Right. So... Yeah. And Marco, I think, even says as such in the beginning of the book where he says, like, you know, you pull it back so it's not personal and it's very clear, like, what you yeah. have to do. Yeah. But if you make it personal, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those were the thoughts running through my tiny head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'll keep going because Good. shit's intense. Um, Right. So Marco takes off after Rachel and Axe and he gets into Visor One's classroom, as I am calling it, <laughs> um, very soon after they get there. And Visor One levels a Draken beam at Rachel, shoots her in the shoulder. She kind of like runs up, pins her, like gets the advantage. And Marco just screams no. And they all kind of pause for a minute. And Marco's like, that's my mom. And Rachel, like, immediately just kind of tosses her aside, as they say, gently for a bear. Like, just tosses her aside. (laughs) And Marco's like, thank you. And Axe goes, she's still a danger. We need to kill her. Like, we need to end this. And Marco's like, no, think about this. By sparing her life, Visor 3 will think she's a traitor. And, like, you know, this is is a good plan. This is how we're going to run it. And as they're trying to discuss this plan... They're interrupted because Visor 1 is leveling the Draken Beam at them again. And Marco just reacts. He grabs the chair next to him and throws it as hard as he can. He said he thought he was aiming at his mom, or maybe he never intended to. He's not really sure. But he hits the window next to her, which cracks, and then the pressure of the water just causes it to shatter. And the water comes rushing in, sweeping him down the hallway, Like, just, like, a jumbled mess of people and bears and gorillas and Andalites and Lyrans. And Visor 3 was trying to make his escape outside. He gets sucked back into the tunnel to no avail. Like, he doesn't do anything. He just gets sucked back in for no reason. (laughs) He just doesn't matter in this book. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Marco is, like... He's, like, demorphing, he's getting human, and then starts going shark. And he says he saw Rachel, like, go by, mostly bear, but it didn't really matter. So, um, after he gets into shark mode, he starts swimming to escape the facility. And they realize there's, like, this wall of hammerheads in front of them, bearing down on them to fight. And Marco goes full Rachel, and just 
goes into battle completely recklessly, headlong, swims into it, starts, like, tearing the shark to pieces. Like, he loses it. Yeah, and he doesn't. He just loses it because he's, like... My mom's dead. Like, there's no way out of this. The Lyran he saw in the hallway, he thought might have been headed back towards his mom. But he didn't, like, he's like, there's no way he got there in time. And I don't know that that's where he was even headed. Like, she's dead. Like, this is it. I lost my mom again. And he he's just out of his fucking mind until Jake calls him off. The sharks, with the facility blowing up, the sharks at this point completely are let go of the spell the signal to control them is lost Mm -hmm. and they turn back to normal sharks and jake's like get off of him he's a normal shark stop this like we need to go (laughs) um and marco does listen to jake which this is where i feel like the difference is between marco and rachel i think rachel would have kept going yeah like yeah it would have or it would have taken a lot longer to call her off yeah, like she would have killed the shark before she got called back. Yeah. And Marco still respects Jake and still listens to Jake. Mm-hmm. So, and as they're leaving the facility, they actually feel the chip, the chip implant in their brains liquefy as the facility is completely destroyed. And Marco's just going through this whole like reeling thought process of, did the Lyran get to my mom? It's It's not possible. She's dead. She's definitely dead. And Rachel says, I, I hear something. It's like a mechanical whirring like a submarine. And Marco goes, so she's saying this to make me feel better. And he goes, thanks, Rachel. But then instead of being like, you're welcome, which is what he says Rachel would have done if she was just trying to make him feel better. She says, thanks for what? For paying attention and having better hearing than you and actually like, you know, paying attention to what's going on. And that's when he's like, oh, shit. She's like not doing this to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So he then believes her and then actually has hope that maybe there is a small chance that my mom lived and that is how the book ends yay yay i guess Mm. when when marco stopped axe and rachel from killing visser one Mm -hmm. my, my first impression is she probably knows that the only person who would have spared her life is marco which she just saw earlier and that might have, like, given away the game. Um, you know, combined with the fact that the Lyran was like, hey, these guys are humans. Like, she could put two and two together. Right? She might, but we don't actually know that she's still alive. That's true. And we don't know what state she's in if she is alive. Oh, shit. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's so many ands, right? Because, like, we can assume that marco would save her life and she might make that connection but we also know she's visitor one and she has those hork that are loyal to her so like not that you know, i mean obviously she doesn't think it's a hork she knows it's like andalite bandalites but she there could be something else going on here that she didn't like that she might draw the conclusion of i just i think there's a lot of room for mm-hmm. maybes here sure. But yeah, that's that's also totally a possibility that, like, you know, the jig is up. She knows. Right. But she also might not tell anyone because mm-hmm. she's a strategist, just like Marco. Yep. And she's like, there's a master stroke to be had here. <laughs> there's a lot of things that could happen now. <laughs> well, I hope we come back to that. Cause... You know we will. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a rhetorical, I hope. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Cool. Yeah. So we made it. We killed it. Once again, a book ended on There's Hope. <laughs> a very depressing book we ends with love hope. in a hopeless place. Yep. <sighs> Poor shark. Yeah. The sharks were not treated well in this book, and I feel like the shark's reputation has really gotten a lot better since the 90s. Yeah. And rightfully so. I still don't want to, like, come across a shark. Like a hammerhead in the wild? No. Hammerhead, tiger, great white. They they can leave me alone. Oh, man. Have you seen those things? Um, I don't know if it's an actual product yet or if it's just, like, a concept. But it's it's like a electromagnetic brace that you wear on your ankle when you're in the water. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like, deters the sharks. I, I, I hope that becomes a thing because that would be so cool. That would be. And it would. it's, like, just such a... It's like a humane way. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Any yeah. closing thoughts about sharks or this book? I I don't want to say any because like this sets up a lot of stuff. And I just don't want to trip over my own words like I already did with bullets earlier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too scared. So, no. Do you have any closing thoughts or statements or feelings about sharks? Um, I just... This book had such a different feel from last book. Like, last book, I feel like we didn't accomplish anything. But this one feels like we opened up a lot of new doors. So, looking forward to seeing how that manifests. Yeah. This this really... Oh, man. This sets up a lot. And, like, the next book, too, is... I don't know how many doors it opens necessarily, but it definitely has some big questions that we're going to be talking about. It's a Jake book next, right? Yes. Yep. Jake book. Not another Rachel book. (laughs) And then Taxi Boy. Yeah. And then that would be the, this is 15, so 16, 17, 18. The Axe book would be where we drop off from the books that you've read before. Oh, yeah. So we'll be in a totally new territory there. That's exciting. Yeah. Are we talking about so the the giveaway book in this one, or is, are we giving that away before this episode? Okay, yeah. This was our, our giveaway book that we, um, we took a copy of this, and we wrote in it, we drew in it, we... I didn't, like, snot or anything in it, so that's good. <laughs> like, did you lick it or anything? No, there's a little bit of the cover that looks like it came off um yeah but it's not in an important part it's like right under the the fully morphed shark tail so it's just pretend it's like we'll draw a little blubber fish or something in there it's definitely a used book for <laughs> sure <laughs> it's a good condition used book though yeah but that's why i felt okay writing in it because if it was like perfect condition i would have been like i can't ruin this with my thoughts sure. but okay so anyways if you want a used Book, a gently used book with part of the cover scratched off. Full of <laughs> we're really Casey selling and this. My, we're selling this shit. It's full of Casey and my thoughts and feelings and drawings and things. Your drawings are better than mine. Not true at all. Plus, I fell off the the map with those as it got later in the book. I was like, no, I just have to write my thoughts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we have the book, and if you are interested in having this book we are giving it away and all you have to do is shoot us an email at anonymous animorphs at gmail.com and tell us what your how you got into reading animorphs i believe was the question but we will edit this later if this is not the question 
but what I believe it was was just telling us how you got into Animorphs and your first book and and your thoughts on this and your backstory. Uh, Give it your backstory, your Animorphs backstory. Love it. And we will t- let you know if you are the winner and send this out to you. I think we're picking the best one. Is what we decided we were doing. All right. And we were just going to pick whichever one was the best writing. So make it funny and good. And that's the giveaway. <laughs> we have a, we have another book, too, that we're going to be doing this with in the future. So Hooray! we'll get more on top of it then. Yeah. Sorry. We're both yeah. very busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which <laughs> doesn't seem to be getting better. So I don't know if the future book will be yeah. any better. <laughs> but Ugh. yeah, we're doing a, we're doing our best. We're doing our best here, guys. <laughs> so uh, um, where can the people find us? They can find us on Facebook in two places. One is our Animorphs Anonymous page, which is where we post the more structured stuff, the weekly like quotations a week before we post our episodes, where we post the episodes with the images. Or you can find us in the group that we have, which is the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. And in that group, we do more fun stuff. We post eh, kind of the same things on a weekly basis, but also like quizzes and comments and weird conversations about animation styles where we get really, really intense about it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, we also have AnimorphsAnonymous.com. We are on Twitter at AnimorphsAnon. We are on InstaSlam at AnimorphsAnonymous. And I think that's it for social media. Yeah. Oh, Spotify. We're on Spotify. Are we on Spotify? It's not really social media. Well, yeah, because we have the playlist on Spotify. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought you meant our yeah. podcast. No, our podcast itself is not on Spotify, but we have playlists um, for each of the Animorphs with songs that we think they would like or they have said that they really like from the correct time period. And it's actually a really fun, like, 90s playlist just in general. So, Yay, 90s. Yay, 90s. If you want to find us on a podcast hosting site that's not the one you're currently listening to, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, Google us anywhere. Google us at Animorphs Anonymous. You'll probably find us somewhere that you'll like to listen to. That's what I got. We love you. We do. More than anyone that I personally know in my life. Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) I can't after this book. I'm just going to... Go You're just gonna turn into a shark and murder some beat other up sharks. Shark. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just gonna go beat up sharks until I feel better. Alright. <laughs> Goodbye. Stay cool. I'm leaving. Stay cool, Stay- audience. <laughs> Stay cool. Wait, no, what is it? Be cool. Stay in school. Yeah. That's a that's a quote. That's nineties. That's nineties. Alright, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>